Anchor series, for those of you that haven't uh, been here, which is um, what it means to be a part of the church. And we've been talking about what it looks like to be an anchor in life, not necessarily what it looks like to be a part of Ocean City Church and how we serve here. And we've talked about that, but really that these, these values that we have uh, at Ocean City Church are derived straight from Scripture. And they're about how we interact with one another in the church, but also what it looks like for us to live our lives with Christ in us, the hope of glory out in the world. And we've done, for six weeks, we've, we've talked through these, these values and it's been one of my favorite uh, series, but we, we, I think it would be wrong for us to move on from this series uh, without talking to the director of Anchors here at Ocean City Church. And I, I wanna interview her today and ask her some very specific questions about what it means to be an anchor here. For those of you that don't know who the director of Anchors here is at Ocean City Church, it is my lovely wife, Beth Harmon, if you don't mind giving a round of, yeah, she deserves a cheer because she's married to me. Hey, Jason, can you grab my, my notes over there? You are the man. Doop, you are now production manager. Surprise, surprise. There you go. Surprise, surprise, Thought you were getting surprise, a sermon. Surprise. You gotta hear us talk and maybe argue a little bit. Yeah, that's right. I think I got glasses in my pocket, which I'll need, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, let me see. What, what are we, now, we had, for, for this interview, we had some of our lead anchors send in some questions. So some of these are coming directly from uh, people that have been serving here and leading here and uh, ones that wanted to put We're you not on. supposed to swivel. Right? I know. Okay. I was, they told me We've at least once to I was swivel, probably going to spin all the way swivel. around at some point. I'm a fidgeter. Sorry. <laughs> Fidget. It's, it's okay. Okay. So um, I wanted to just start, just because not everybody in the room knows who you are. What's, what's something that uh, maybe that our church family, but also people that have just walked in, you know, don't know about you? Something you don't know. Hi, good morning. I'm so happy to be here. Um, my name's Beth. Did you say that? Yes. And let me think. So I was thinking, okay, I heard this question beforehand. Something that you don't know about me. I mean, I don't know a lot of people in this room, I think. Some of you are going to know this about me. Um, but I am one of four girls. It's very hard for me to just live life without talking about my sisters and I have this like really yeah <laughs> yeah you want to oh we've, we've fought over that this feels one. like the we living room a lot you. these are actually our chairs in our living room so this is a common thing right it's gonna here it's going to be a long day um so no but I have like the secret dream that I'm going to write a book someday about my sisters and it's going to be kind of like little women but a lot better you know mm -hmm. a lot crazier the better version there's a beth and a joe so yeah. it, it, what's funny more profanity there is um so what a lot of people i'm finding more and more people don't know that my sisters are ann mcferrin who's on staff here raise your hand ann and joe gajewski look she, oh, she, she doesn't want to raise her hand joe's in kids all the time um, she serves in kids and anyway they're twins and I'm their older sister. We're 18 months apart. Um, and we have an older sister, uh, one more, and, who lives in Valdosta, Suzanne. And they're just, they're my best friends. And I could just go on and on about my sisters. Um, and so I just need you all to know that and know that there will be a book coming out. And you'll hear all the dirt on all of them. Little anyway. women. I've got so many titles I could give you for that book. Oh, my goodness. But I'll move on. All right. This, this is a question. <laughs> this is a question um, that came from, uh, one of our lead anchors here, uh, at church. Um, and I wasn't going to ask it, but I thought, you know what, they put it, they were, you know, they took the time to put the question. What is it like being married to Derek and working with Derek? 
I, you know, it's a risky one for me. I just don't know what to answer on a Sunday. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with, like, I wanted to say it all. Um, hey. It's, it's equally challenging as it is enjoyable. I'll say that. All right. Um, to be married to Derek. <laughs> Working together, I just, I don't really recommend it. I mean, <laughs> when I was in college, I worked for a married couple and it was so awful. I was just like, note to self, this is a bad idea. Don't ever do it. And I, I just feel like when you say that to God, you know, like when he ever hears you say, I'm never gonna, whatever, then he's like, all right, let's put that on the sanctification. You know, Beth needs some sanctifying. And yeah. so I, I, this would probably be a better question for the staff. Like, what's it like to yeah. work I'm with sure Beth and I'm sure they would say similar. It's fun and it's hard. And I mean, the good thing about Derek and I is we duke it out. You know, we, we, we're not people who are like super polite to each other all the time. I love those couples, by the way, yeah. like that are nice to each other all the time. I heard, my, I heard a friend of mine talking on the phone and I was like, oh, she sounds like she's like talking to a business associate or something. And she was like, no, it was Chris. And I was like, what? That was so kind. Everything that came out of your mouth. Teach me your ways. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think we, we communicate. We've learned. We've been through counseling um, oh, yeah. to learn how to communicate better. And I don't know. I, I wouldn't have it any other way also. So yeah. I feel like if I wasn't, a part of what you know working beside you it would yeah it's not for everybody what god had for us yeah yeah just as passionate about ministry as i was going into this it made sense for us i don't think it's for everybody but uh definitely has worked um most of the time um here at ocean city church all right so here's another one um how did you become the director of anchors i mean besides some of the obvious stuff um and what's something you didn't expect um being in the role that you're in um, I, I became the director of Anchors. It was sort of organic. We started out um, a very small staff, and myself and Anne, we were volunteer staff, which was so much, it's so much fun to be volunteer staff because you can be like, yeah, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. I'm my, going out of town for two my weeks. My sisters are in Good town. Um, and so <laughs> then when we started to get a paycheck, we were like, shoot, we didn't think about this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it, it grew organically. Um, I, I just think we started to have the need more and more. We realized, wow, we have a lot of people that are committed to serving. And, and then you start planning center and, you, you know, you, you start to grow and, and the need was just there. Yeah. What are some of the numbers I was even thinking about when you said that? What, like when you think about anchors, we, the numbers of people that were a part of our team here um, that are part of the family here was, had, had gotten pretty big. What are, what are they now? Well, I looked back in 2014 when we were, we were really starting the whole anchor culture thing. Um, and, and I, it was so fun, y'all. I looked at this last night and there was a, a list of names and it was 53 names of people who were, you know, we were like, they, they don't know it yet, but they're going to be anchors here. Um, cause they're already serving and, and giving of their, their life to this church. Um, Right now we have 185 anchors, which is Yee. amazing. And it takes about, which sounds great, like, oh, that'd be easy. You can just, you know, put a couple on a Sunday and, you know, have a nice rotation. It takes 60 anchors on a Sunday to um, make what's going on go on. Yeah. So, and then during the week, about 30 anchors, that's with student ministry and special events. So, you know, we, we need more. 
Yeah, absolutely. It is definitely one of those things. Well, speaking of uh, anchor culture, uh, you know, if you've been a part of the series, you kind of we've talked about what it means to develop a culture. That culture kind of sits above the idea of having a rule set for your family. You have a you know a household culture that kind of dictates um, how we operate. Instead of having a rule that says, "Hey, you know, every time you walk in, if you see a piece of trash, throw it away." We, we really more have a culture of, we believe that it matters how we invite people into this space. So it should be an automatic kind of thing. Uh, and that would be one of our values. But when we look at anchor culture, um, why and how did we come up with the concept of anchor? And you had, a, she, she probably won't say it, but I'll say it. She had, it's one of the reasons she's up here, probably the most to do with um, the name anchor um, and uh, many of the things that we decided to do in terms of our values uh, for serving here um, in the church. But where did it come from and how did it all kind of come about, like the history yeah. of Anchor? So it was back in about 2014 and we had already been meeting for how many years? A couple years? We, well, we, we started f- in houses. November 2012, I think, was yeah. our first like regular church gathering. Okay. And then, so this is a couple years in. So, you know, we had people serving and we had people that were part of the church. Um, but a couple years in, we decided, uh, we had a, a little meeting. We were, we used to meet in this uh, garage apartment, uh, an office above, uh, above a garage that a friend from River City Church let us use um, on 27th South. Sweet we had some memories. really good meetings in there. And, and um, we decided, you know, let's think through how we do things because when you have, I mean, any organization, anybody knows this, if you're starting a company or any kind of organization, that words really matter. And words, um, what you call things, it drives behavior and um, it, it determines the culture. I mean, you can do a lot with what you call something. You can you could teach people a lot just by hearing the words. So we, we started to think about how Jesus didn't say, um, go make volunteers <laughs> or go make members. But he said, go make disciples. And what a disciple, you know, started us the conversation. What is a disciple? A disciple is a student, someone who's learning all the time and growing and someone who follows. And so we were thinking about that. Like when we, we don't want to just have somebody come in and say, uh, you know, take a class and I'm a member, check a box. Yeah. But like, disciples who are following and going, what are they teaching here? I'm a student, and then I'm following in the ways that they do that. And so we knew we didn't want to call it members or volunteer for that reason. And we came up with with Anchor for a number of reasons. Yes, it's a beach culture, so it's cool, right? Um, But way more than that, we looked up the definition of, we had a bunch of words. Um, Yeah, it's okay. You can skip all the ridiculous ones that I came up with. Like lumberjack. No, I'm kidding. We didn't have lumberjack. That'd be weird. Um, No, we had some different words we were going through. And we looked up what is an anchor. And um, an anchor creates stability in unstable situations. And we were like, that's cool. That's that's the way people walk into church many times. Unstable. Unstable, wondering how to, you know, we forget that when we're a part of something for a long time. Yeah, and then an anchor does its most powerful thing when it's descended, when it's below the surface, when it's unseen. And we love that. And... um, and then really, biblically, it's Hebrews 6.19, which says it's the gospel. We have this hope. It's 
the hope of Jesus Christ that's an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And it leads us into oh, this yeah. sanctuary beyond the curtain where Jesus, our forerunner, went in front of us. And I love that we were like, yeah, that's because because we want it to be all about the gospel here, that Jesus, like when Aaron was reading that passage this morning, who can ascend the mountain? And it, the answer's only Jesus. Right. And then we follow him, because he made a way to God. So that, that's kind of where we got the word anchor, and then we were all like, all right, let's vote. All right, done. Yeah, it was a unanimous. And now you're all anchors. Um, yeah, we so fumbled around in the dark, and then that one came up, and yeah. it was like, bam, bam. It was like, we knew that it was, it was God. Um, like in the middle of thinking about, like we, we got really thought we need to do something to, to bring us together, to tie us, to knit us together um, as a family. Obviously being followers of Jesus, we're knit together by his blood. But what was the, who are some of the influences? Like when we think about how we developed our culture, because um, people are like, man, this is, people will ask and say, these are, these values are great. Where did, where did they, we can't really claim it all, right? I mean, we've got some mm -hmm. influences along yes. the way. Um, yeah, scripture. for sure. Scripture, number one. I mean, what I just read. And then um, Passion City Church, uh, Louis Giglio in specifically had a profound effect on both of our lives. Um, he doesn't know it, but um, he did. And we went to, they had a conference and, and where they were teaching about their culture and how they, how they kind of move forward with this idea of it's it, what church family looks like. And so, and we went to the conference several, several years and we learned a lot from, from yeah. them. Yeah. And it was a, a lot of the things we had been talking about, but it all of a sudden started putting some, yeah. some, you know, meat to the, to what we were trying to figure out and what it looked like to come up with values and sit down. And that stuff takes a long time. It's like, you have these short, you know, sentences and things that you're like, okay, that's very simple. The, the, the more simple that they were, the longer mm -hmm. it took us to come up with. Yeah. It was easier to fill up a page, but to get our vision statement down and to, to get our anchor values down um, took a lot of time. Mm -hmm. um, but it was amazing to have them because it's so much easier when somebody becomes a part of the family here at Ocean City Church. We have some things that we can say, hey, this is what it looks like. Um, and people, I think people, what makes people feel unstable is to not know like have any expectations or what it looks like to be a part of a family. But mm -hmm. instantly it's very easy to see, you know, that we value Jesus above all things, that mm -hmm. the gospel is going to be woven in into everything that we do when it comes to teaching, when it comes to what we do. The Bible is, um, you know, the thing that leads us to the cross of Jesus Christ. And then to, to move and talk about what it looks like to serve in the trenches, what it looks like to be family. All those things are great for us. Um, as we serve. They're great reminders for me. I mean, I, th I, mean, I know all the values, but uh, we think about them when we're getting ready to prepare sermons, when we're, you know, walking into even a gathering like Tribe and Oasis. They, they kind of, we think about what is it that we're doing and is this part of our culture or is it not? So really good. Um, okay. Who can be an anchor? Like when we think about what it looks like to be a part of of Ocean City Church and coming in and being an anchor. Who can be an anchor? And are there things that disqualify you from being an anchor? This is a good one. Um, or uh, is, being, is being too busy or traveling too much, are those reasons to not become an anchor? Okay. Now we're getting into it, right? Mm-hmm. Who can be an anchor? Um, if you profess, if you know you're a sinner in need of a savior and you profess Jesus as your savior, you can be an anchor at Ocean City Church. 
We want to know that you understand salvation. We want to know that you understand that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And that's really, that's the requirement right there. Um, and what I think when we talk about what can disqualify you, I think what you are, what basically when you are saying, I want to be an anchor at this church, we think of this as a family, a household of faith. Um, that's what it's referred to in the Bible, is a household of faith. It says in Ephesians um, 2.19 here. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And, and in Galatians 9.10, it says, um, do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we see this kind of language about uh, family and household. And that word household, mean, it's not just like, attending a place of faith. That word household means you're devoted to. That's what that means in the Greek. You're devoted to this, this place. Um, so when you become an anchor, you're not just saying, um, you know, I'm just on my own and doing my own thing. You're like, I'm becoming a family with these people. I, I, and so there's going to be people who call me out on unrepentant sin and help me work through that. There's going to be people alongside me to walk with me through hard things. There's going to be people who know when I'm sick. It's, we really think that yeah. not only it's, this is our idea. Like we, we do have that as value. We are family, but we think it's biblical that church is a family. That's the language that's, that's used in the Bible. Yeah, no, I, I totally, totally agree. I think uh, we talked about it uh, a few weeks back that if you, when you read scripture, um, because I think when you look at um, at church values, and you look at what church, you know, what, how churches operate. Discipleship becomes a big word, um, uh, but it's interesting, and we 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 believe that we believe discipleship and fellowship and being a servant are those are all wrapped in. Like discipleship is not like oh I'm in a Bible study being disciple because I'm learning the Bible. That's a that's a small slice of what it looks like to be you know a disciple. But what's interesting in Scripture is after the Book of Acts, that word goes away like the idea of disciple, and it is replaced, literally replaced in all the epistles with brother and sister in familial language. So it transitions to this idea because the church was born, right? You know, the, the book of Acts, the church is born. And when the church is born, all of a sudden we have Christ at the head and we've got all of these family members being adopted into the church. And that's why it is family. It is a place not where you attend and you come and it's just a thing it's a, a, where I, I learn a little bit and I can make myself feel okay. And we, we talked about this yesterday. In our marriage, like when you get married, you, like before you're married, you're operating as a, like for me as a single guy, I'm making decisions for who? For me, right? Uh, you know, what I'm going to get at the grocery store how many boxes of Oreos I'm going to buy, uh, the things that I'm going to do and the things that I want. And as soon as you get married, as soon as we got married, it, the quick realization, and sometimes you ha it takes a little bit of time, years one and two, and marriage can be tough because you're trying to figure this out. It's, two, it's one flesh. So we're, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, I'm at the grocery store, maybe not as many Oreos. I probably need to get some asparagus and some beets, you know, some things that, I don't know. I don't know why. It's just top of the head. I don't know. What a marriage. Uh, that's right. But you're trying, to, you're trying to figure out, like, what it is that you're doing. Well, in a family, it doesn't, it's not just that. It, it, it goes beyond that. It's like you, you were, it says in Ephesians, it says you were adopted in. You, you've, come, you've come into this family 
And you were literally a, a brother and a sister. So you don't come in thinking, I'm gonna live life and live my church life alone. I'm gonna do my relationship with Jesus alone. No, you were adopted into a family. So now your consideration is who? I've got brothers and sisters that I consider. There's people, there's, there's a household, there's a way that the household runs. There's an authority structure in the household with Jesus at the head. Um, and it's one of those things in our culture, we, it's, it's, we're individualistic. People actually don't like that. Even talking that way in our culture now, people kind of cringe. They're like, oh, you know, it's, it sounds a little bit like all y'all think the same way. All of y'all are, have this you know, same way. It's like nobody can have any way to, to think individually. No, we're a diverse body, diverse gifts, all united with Christ's blood adopted into his family. And that mindset is something we fight for mm -hmm. in the church. And not because we think it's important at Ocean City Church. It's because we see it all over the, the, the landscape of Scripture. Yeah, and I, just to answer the question, like, it, it, you know, what if I'm too busy or what if this isn't a good season? First of all, I just want to say that I, I think that, you, sh you know, every person or family unit, you take into con consideration God's timing and what he's having you do in your life. And so I don't think, you know, you walk into the doors of a church and you need to sign up to become a part of this family. Like, I, I think there's God's timing in all of that. Yeah. We have people that have come in wounded, like seriously wounded from either something that happened at another church or some kind of family. And they're just like, I'm barely here. Like, I'm here. I'm on the back row. Yeah. And I'm like, be here and get the healing that you need. In fact, come forward for prayer ministry. Let us pray for you. Like, receive. And I, I fully support that and yeah. believe that that's important. Um, but in terms of, like, it's too busy and it's a crazy season, I think it's it's kind of fun to know that about people and where they are in life. Um, and we do. We have, we have anchors that serve that are like, hey, for the next two months, this is what's going on in my life. You know, we've had someone say, my mom has Alzheimer's disease, and I am at her beck and call. And I'm like, I'm not like, well, I'm sorry, but we have you scheduled on check-ins. I mean, <laughs> right. what kind of family would that be? Right. We're like, do you need meals? I mean, that's what should come out of it. And if it's not, like, we need to know. Um, so, so I, th I think with the too busy thing, don't let that hold you back. I have people all the time that say, this is crazy and I'm terrified of how much you're going to put me on this schedule if I say yes to kids. And I'm like, thank you for saying that. What is good for you? We are going to work hard to do what is good for your family. Yeah. And maybe challenge you a little to get in there a little more. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. Use your blockouts and planning center yeah. I mean, just to get practical up front here. I mean, but just like, it's not about, it's not just about can. serving on a Sunday. It's, it's no. literally going, these are the people I'm going to walk through life with. Yeah. And so don't let anything hold you back. In fact, I think being present for us, I mean, as a leadership team and for other anchors here, um, I, I would even ask that question. Why is presence such a big deal? Like we talk about it because we, we, we say attendance is not what we want people that belong to the church. We don't want people to attend. But being here and being present is so important. And we've realized that, I think, over time, how important it is. What, what is it? What do you think that is? I mean, I, I, I could go on and on. I think church is a good regulator for our, our I mean, I think we all need to be regulated. You know, we get off in our thinking sometimes. Do you know? I mean, we a lot is coming in. I don't know about y'all. But by the end of a week, I'm like, whoo, there's been a lot that's come 
come through my phone and come, you know, things I'm hearing on the news. And um, so for one, I think we need it. It's not just yeah. like, oh, we need you here at church. It's like, you need it. I need it. Like singing those songs say something. I, I really believe this, that that God does something and he, he gets me back to where I need to be. I'm singing a song. I hear a lyric and I'm like, oh, I needed that. I needed that today. Um, I, I, you hear something in a sermon. You're encouraged when you see someone. I'm so encouraged when I see people's faces who I need to see. Um, it, it does something to me and it, it does something for all of us. So presence, I, 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 I just can't say enough about it. And like I said, I know there's times in life where I can't, it, it, this isn't about, are you there every Sunday? But it's just like, I, I, know that when you're there, people need you here just as much as you need it in your life. I feel like we're moving into a time where church is less like, oh, do I, do I want to come today? And I, I think we're moving into a more desperate, we're, we're aware that we're desperate for one another. Yeah. And when Jesus says, don't forsake the gathering of the saints, we're really starting to believe it. And he said that in Hebrews, he says, as some is in the habit are do, of doing. And we always talk about like, man, that pandemic got us in, out of the habit of church. You know, people <laughs> aren't in the habit anymore. I mean, this was in Hebrews. It's been going on for a long time that we go through cycles in life where, where we get out of the habit. Yeah. And Jesus says, don't, don't do it. You need each other. And I feel like that's happening is where yeah. we're aware of that. Yeah. Do you think that's happening? No, absolutely. I think it's one. And I think the, when you come back, there's a, I said this a few weeks ago too. It's like, you don't realize what you're missing uh, until you show up and you're like, oh my goodness, this, this actually is my heart has really wanted this. Um, and it, it's also being here, we sometimes have the mentality, like, I don't need it. Like, I, it's, I, I've got other things. I can listen to a podcast. I can watch it online. I can do other things. But we got to remember, not only is it a place where we come so that we get realigned, but it's also you are here for the people that are here. Um, the, the person that's singing and, and, and uniting in, in a, you know, with your voice to sing songs about the cross you need that. So you're showing up not just because you need it. You're showing up because the person next to you needs you there. They, the, the room being full this morning is not about us feeling good about, oh, wow, the OCC is full. It's great for you. It, there's a different sense. If there was just, a, you know, 25 people in here spread out, it would be great. And we'd be, we would serve the, the 25 that are here. But it is encouraging that people have showed up today. To each other, not to, to us, but to, for, for y'all, to be singing, to raise your voices, to hear it loud and say, hey, I'm not alone. I am in the heartache, in the brokenness, and in the valley, in the, in the mountaintop. God is with me, and he's traveling with me, and I will never be alone. And not only because uh, I, Jesus is going to be with me, but the, the Jesus inside the person next to me, the Jesus inside the person behind me lets me know that I won't be alone. Mm -hmm. So presence matters. I think of uh, Brett Wintray. Where's Brett? It's hard because the, the room's in a different. His, he's an anchor here at Ocean City Church. Him being here to me and being present and me seeing him when I, when I preach is way more important to me than him holding the door or being a greeter or sweeping the floor or doing any of the things that he does as an anchor. I just want to see him because he's my brother and I love him. I want to know what's going on in his life. I want to know how he's doing with cancer treatments. I want to know how he's doing. Him not being here 
concerns me because he's always here. So I think that's a great thing about the check-in of church. I used to think differently about that and thought, well, if you're engaged in other ways, it's fine. Uh, it is so, I feel like it's so important. And of course, it's easy as a pastor to say that, but it is one of those things I really believe. Yeah, I think there, do we have that quote from Sam Alberry? I think it goes with what we're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love this. Um, this is in talking about that scripture in Hebrews. I can barely read this, but what might surprise us in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 is the alternative to going to church, not neglecting to meet together, the alternative is, but encouraging one another. Meeting together for worship is vital for every Christian because it is, it is an essential way God encourages us in our faith. Think about that. God has designed us to need other Christians to help us keep going in the faith. And he's designed them to need our encouragement. So skipping church deprives us in two ways. You of their encouragement and them of yours. Your church needs you to be there, and you need your church to be there. I just love that. And I love Sam Alberry. If you don't know yeah. him, look him up. Great. He's amazing. Great theologian. Um, and Ephesians, I was just going to read this from Ephesians 4, yeah. verse 11. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. What, what I see here is, like, I've had conversations, and I've, I've questioned this myself in my life, like, big time. Do we need church? Like, let me just, you know, I have a great Bible study that I go to. I have women there that hold me accountable. Like, what, what's the point of church? Um, why do, you know, why do we need it? I don't know what we would do with the New Testament and our thinking of it because so much, a large portion of the New Testament is written to specific churches. So, I mean, I don't know what you think of that. Like, I, I want to talk to myself when I was, you know, in my early 30s, and I was like, I don't know. I think church is kind of optional. And just say, what are you going to do with that? The fact that the, the, most of the New Testament is written to churches for a reason. And then what are you going to do with 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus? I mean, those yeah. are to church leaders about church structure. We need leadership in our life. And I think for me, there's this person in me, this independent, prideful, you know, you know. Yeah, I do. <laughs> He's well like, aware. amen. Um, <laughs> I didn't say it. That doesn't want to be led um, or doesn't want to admit that I need that in my life. And that's, that's not what we see in scripture at all. And so I think that answers the question of like, can I just do this on my own? Yeah. We, we've been offered way, way much more than an individual faith. We, we've been offered a household of faith by Jesus. Yeah. And God is our father and Jesus is the head. Yeah, it's a miracle it works because all you people are sinners. You know, I mean, it's just to be honest, we're all broken and fallen, uh, but Jesus is at the head. And it, it really shines a bigger light on Jesus that he can use me, that he can use you. 
um, to serve one another and create this beautiful, the, the jewel, the bride of the church that carries his name out to the world uh, and that he's able to do it. He's like, don't worry. I know you all, you're, the, the, the penalty of sin has been taken care of. The power of sin still exists in you and we're gonna take care of that at some point, but I'm gonna use the church to change people's lives. I, I think even something you said reminded me of a, a question. One of our values is serving in the trenches. Why is that like a, a, a huge thing uh, for you? That was, I think you, you titled that, that value. Like it was one of those ones we were coming, coming up with and you're like, this is gonna be a value. And I'm like, okay, serving in the trenches, partly because you've been in the trenches a lot um, as uh, somebody that's been a part of starting a church. But. I mean, sometimes we're wired that way and I have to admit that like, you know, I do the Enneagram, and, and I've got a big old helper is, is part of my, my Enneagram, whatever. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just we're wired, you know, a certain Number way. Two. And so I, I, I feel like I'm naturally kind of like, oh, what, what, you know, and it sounds so good to be a helper, too. It's like, you need help? I'm here for you. Um, so, but but that, that's sort of my personality. But I also just plain old see it as how do we, we talk about, um, starting a family, you know, a, a church is a family in the household of faith. How do you run your family? I mean, the best way is is by everyone pitches in. And I mean, you you learn that early on. And sometimes you're the parent that models that serving, and sometimes you're the parent that makes sure everybody's serving. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hopefully you're both doing both. But, but I... What I'm saying is I think that's how a family is run. So why would we not do it any differently? We would say serving in the trenches is, um, is just a part of... It's the Bible. It's Philippians 2. <laughs> yeah. It's what Jesus did. Yeah. I mean, Jesus didn't consider himself and say, okay, I'm the special one that, you know, of course I'm not going to do that. He goes you know, leaves his throne, leaves his scepter of authority, comes all the way to planet earth, becomes nobody, gets in the, the, the hidden areas of earth, you know, and, and Isaiah says he had, there was no majesty about him. Even his majesty um, was set aside um, coming to planet earth to, to do what? What did he come? He says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Um, and I think if that, and, and then of course for us, Philippians 2 is written to, to us to say, Follow the way of Christ Jesus, who gave his life away, you know, to, to not just to, to serving in a, in a corner, but to the point of death, death on a cross. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, as a value, it sits right in the center um, of the gospel. I, I would ask this. What about somebody that comes in and might say that they have hidden gifts, hidden talents? We'll kind of end in this place because I think there's so many gifts. I realize that at Oasis, there's so many gifted people <laughs> in our church that I don't even, you know, that, that find their way here to our small tribe, and it's pretty amazing. But somebody that's got a gift um, that um, maybe is a hidden talent, how does, how does that get discovered? How does somebody find and do the thing that maybe they're, they're more passionate about than sweeping, you know, or well, in the trenches? Yeah, I, I, would, I would say just what, what you were saying about Philippians 2, having the same mindset of Christ who put that, who put everything aside, like, put his resume aside, his authority, his giftedness, his passion, all of that aside. Um, so kind of having that mindset is, I mean, that's what we're, we're called to do is to, to be similar in that and go, I'm not, I love the word. It says he didn't consider equality God, with God something to be grasped. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I wrote what 
well, I don't know if I jotted it down or not, but um, that word grasp is like taking hold of it, almost like you're stealing it from someone, like you're, you're, you're just taking hold of this treasure that you believe is yours. Um, I mean, it was, it did belong to Jesus and it might belong to you, this gift that you have. But I think being open-handed with it and going, I don't know what God wants for this. And I'm okay to not lead with that and go, I, this is, this is why I'm here. I'm, I've come to this church to offer this, but to go, I don't know what God wants me to do with this. Tim Keller has this awesome thing on, um, how do you know when something is your gift and what, what's the gift test? Um, and he has these three things. Number one, you have an affinity for it. So you really like this thing. You're, you're passionate about it. You enjoy doing this thing. Number two, you're affirmed in that. You have people around you that say, yes. And I would say... Beyond your mom. Yeah. <laughs> beyond your... <laughs> beyond mama. Um, you have people around you, hopefully in a church family, that are saying, hey, you're gifted in this way. But that's not all. The third thing is opportunity that there's an opportunity that's put in front of you. And I've, I've learned this, and it's taken me years, guys, um, to, to get to this point where it's like, God is the one that gives the opportunity, not man. Yeah. Nobody's in charge of our life and what gifts we're using and what we're doing, but God. And if he wants to put that opportunity in front of you, he will. And hopefully you'll be surrounded by people who go, we want you to do that. Yeah. It doesn't um, mean, yeah, it doesn't mean that you necessarily you're not talented or that it's not something that God's put in your heart. It's just, there's a season sometimes where the opportunity's not there. Yeah. And God knows right where you're at. And I don't, I don't even think there's a such thing as a hidden talent. I mean, especially in a place like OCC, I think if you're talented, we will find you um, and figure, and we'll put you there. Um, so. Yeah. And I, I just want to say, you know, do the thing you do as worship and not performance. Yeah. You know, do the thing that you do in the quiet, like if it's writing or if it's painting or if it's um, singing or teaching. I mean, you can do those things in quiet ways as acts of worship and less about like, when's it going to be my turn? You know, Yeah. I needed to learn that. Like just, just what's in front of you. And for me, it's for so long been, I, I love to teach and I found a place for that in kids ministry that has been very fulfilling. Yeah. It really has. It's and awesome. other places, but I'm just saying. You yeah. Know. I, I love Christine Kane's. I got to say this. Uh, yeah. I know we're trying to wrap it up, but um, I love this. I don't know if you guys know Christine Kane. She's a little fireball, I don't know, um, theologian and um, speaker and activist. She's just amazing believer. Um, but anyway, she, um, I remember hearing her say, you know, people ask me, how did you get to where you are? Like, how did you become this, you know, amazing speaker? And she was like, you know, I was the girl with the mop in my hand after, after youth group. And I just hung out there and cleaned those floors. And, you know, and again. She talked about 20. She said, I did it for 20 years. I was just there. I yeah, heard like, the other like people speak. This, I learned from listening to them as I was mopping the floors and I was present. And that's why we say, you know, leadership isn't born on a stage. It's born in the trenches. It's, it's something that's been ongoing in your life and you're not... You know, it doesn't, it doesn't happen just when you get in front of people. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Um, last thing, um, need, like when you think about anchors here at Ocean City Church and the family, what does the family need most? And you said something, and I, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking along what this line. What did I say? 
it was really good. Don't you remember? We were sitting in these chairs <laughs> right here at home. Um, just, we were talking about the need and, you know, it would be easy, for, I think, for us, and I think you've even said this to me, because I was like, tell them kids, twos and threes. <laughs> um, but that's really not, not what you said. And you, you mentioned somebody specific, and I won't, oh. I won't highlight them because they want to be in the trenches, but um, they, their response when you've asked this question. Well, I, I, I just loved it. I think it was last week, uh, one of our scripture readers We've been asking the scripture readers to introduce themselves. Any, any chance we have to, to create the family vibe and to let you know who people are and, and hear names, like we're, we're just like, let's do that. And, um, and so we've asked our, our um, scripture readers to just introduce themselves as an anchor and maybe what, what team you serve on. And she, you know, she got up there and I was like, she does a lot. Like she, she could just say I'm an anchor and every, you know, and um, what's she going to say? And she listed a couple teams that she's on and she, and then she just said, you know, just pretty much whatever is needed. Um, you know, I'm just an anchor here to just do what's needed. And I was just like, that's what it is. It's coming in with that mindset of what's needed. And I want to, I want to be a part of what's needed here and yeah. and know that 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 is going to encourage people and encourage me in the process yeah so it's more of a heart than a need yeah. like you know we obviously we need people in different areas but having people come with that heart then it won't matter we it, god will allow us to you know put the people in the family and the places um that we need them so well i i'll tell you what i this was more amazing than i thought it was going to be and i, I I know who you are because I live with you. Um, but thank you so much. Everybody, can you give Beth a hand? Um, super excited to just hear some of that stuff and uh, some of the stuff that just kind of came out while we were talking because uh, uh, just super valuable. Uh, I wish, like when in my early days, like she said, I wish I could go back and talk to my 25, 35-year-old self about church engagement and what it looks like to be involved um, in a church. Um, but... Um, but we were in that position now and we can uh, have conversations with the people around us and with the church about what it, what it looks like. You know, I was thinking about, you know, being a part of, ch you know, church in general, you know, as we, as we end, I was thinking about how this, this whole thing happened, Ocean City Church. And I remember uh, talking to Antley Fowler, who was the pastor at River City Church. And uh, I was, he, he brought me into his office and he said uh, to me, you know, I think you were about 18 months off. Like I think we're with, you know, you going down to the beach and planting the church. And I almost was hoping, I was hoping he forgot about that, that we were gonna do that. Uh, Cause I really loved my job. I loved what I was doing. I was in college ministry. Uh, I was really involved in the worship team. And I just had a, a good niche that I thought I was just getting my stride. And all of a sudden he's like, all right, you're gonna get out of here. You're not gonna be on our staff. You're gonna go create your own. And I was just like, I don't know. I can't, I, even watching him do what he did as a church leader, I was like, I can't do that. Like I, 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 the way he does it and the things that he does, the schedule that he keeps, I'm like, I don't know that I can do this thing. Uh, and, and he said something really simple to me. Um, he said, you're, you, just remember this. He goes, look, it's, it's not day one, all you're doing and all you're gonna continue to do, because you're, you're, you're a good dad. I watch you, you're, you, you know, you're sinful, but you're good. You're good to your kids. You know what it means to be a father. He says, you're gonna go down and you're gonna, all you're gonna do is you're gonna, you're gonna kind of start a family. You're gonna start a family. And for whatever reason in that meeting, that made my heart go, okay, 
I like that. I wanna, I, I, li- I like the idea of family. And with nine people, uh, we came down here and we started a, fa- a family. Now, along the way, what we realized, I think, in starting a family called The Church uh, here at Ocean City Church is that people come in with all kinds of baggage and brokenness, including me, um, hoping that the church will fix it, hoping that, the, that a relationship, I need, I need somebody, I need, a fr- I need friendship, I need community, I need, uh, I need something. In this life, there's, it's too hard to travel alone, which all those things are true. But if, you, if, those are only the, if those are the words that you're saying, um, you're gonna come into Ocean City Church, you're gonna go to 1122, you're gonna go to Beach Church, you're gonna go to Neptune Baptist, or wherever you go to church, and guess what? You're gonna be disappointed. You're gonna be heartbroken. People in this church, in those churches, they're going to make mistakes. They're gonna hurt you. They're going to, there's gonna be brokenness. You're gonna, you're gonna jump into a city group thinking that's gonna be the thing and you're not gonna, you're not gonna connect with anybody. But the, but the reason is, is that really isn't all the, the idea of community and family flows from Jesus. What we need is not community. What we need is Jesus. Now, it might come in the form of community. God might use and leverage these crazy broken people to heal your heart. That is true. But what we all need at the end of the day, because I, I, I mean, even me, we all have this fractured sense of what it means to be a a daughter or be a son and have a father. My father was broken. I loved him, but he was broken. Many of you are in here had just jacked up families. Some of you in here, church was the broken family. Like you, you had a church experience that led you to legalism, led you to moralism and didn't lead you to Jesus who who so lovingly gave his life away so that your sins past, present, and future could be annihilated by his blood, by the cross of Jesus Christ, that you would be reunited with the one that created you. But we, we have these fractured lives that need, that need healing, that need to be restored. And it's not gonna be restored by becoming an anchor. I'm just gonna tell you. Like, that's not what does it. The hope is, is that in that, that the, the anchors here, the people here, that the worship team here, that the people that serve here, that all of that begins to, to disappear because they've done such a good job reflecting and being image bearers of Jesus that you actually see and experience the Son of God. That that's what church is all about. It is not about an organization. It is not about a group of elders, a finance committee, and the organizational management that's been created here. God, God wants all that and knows, but ultimately all that's in place so that it might disappear and blaze a pathway for your eyes to see the one that can satisfy your soul. And his name is Jesus.